I am Ray Alfala, and this is my top five. What's poppin', race fans? It is me, Aaron Beard 93 I'm welcome you back to the Motorsports Beat. Today's podcast is another edition of the Top 5, this time with a sim racing star, eNASCAR iRacing Series champion, and just an overall fun guy to talk to. Uh, his name is Ray Alfala. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't know too terribly much about Ray going into this. I'm a fairly recent convert to the sim racing world, especially eNASCAR, and I knew Ray was a big name. I'd seen him attributed to championships in the past. But I didn't know a lot about the guy behind the stats. And so it was really fun to talk with Ray and learn a few of his biggest stories and accomplishments and kind of get the ideas and perspective of somebody who's been a part of the sim racing world for many years. So without further ado, I think it's time we dive right on into it. This is another edition of the Top 5 on the Sim Racing's Finals. Ray Alfala. What's up, y'all? It's me, Aaron Beard 93 I'd like to welcome you back to the Motorsports Beat. <laughs> Today's topic is yours, another episode of the Top 5, where we take the stars behind the cars and spotlight the five races that have been most important to their lives. Now, today's guest is a sim racing OG, a four-time eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion and a coach in the virtual racing school. He's been a part of the sim racing scene for more than two decades, hauling the mail both on track virtually and in real life as a member of the United States Postal Service. You can find him on social media at Ray Alfala. Learn from him and other sim racing stars at virtualracingschool.com and catch him on the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series scene when it returns to action in 2021. He is the one, the only, Ray Alfala. How you doing today, Ray? Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm doing, doing all right. How about you? I am good. It's been a chaotic day. Uh, peel behind the curtain. We're recording on Thanksgiving week. It's nice and crazy as always. And if, never mind in a pandemic. I don't even know if I'm celebrating Thanksgiving like normal, but it's going okay, man. Is everything all right in your neck of the woods? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the post office, uh, you know, work is picking up, holidays starting out. So uh, we're ready for uh, Hell Month, known as December, where everybody <laughs> buys all their, uh, all their holiday gifts and stuff. So, uh, yeah, you know, so basically, you know, my off season on the eNASCAR side is uh, my busiest season in the, uh, you know, in the day job part. So I'm always, you know, I'm busy year round. What is the work-life balance like with that? Like, as I know, during the season, obviously, you've got all the practicing to take care of. You've got the events you've got to run. You're also doing this, like, virtual racing school thing on the side, and you have this day job. So what is, like, what is work-life balance like for you, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, relying on, on teammates and things like that. Everybody kind of spreads the spreads the workload. You know, it's not all just me or anything like that. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of times I, I get home from work and, you know, I'll, I'll eat a snack and I'll hit right to the gym and then I'll come back home and, uh, you know, usually 8 or 9 p.m. I'm pretty tired, but, you know, we'll find some time to practice during the season. Uh, you know, during the off season, uh, I'm normally, you know, cheering on, uh, my teammates, if they if they drop down to the pro series or if they're coming up coming up from road to pro, uh, you know, so I usually get to watch the pro series during the off season. Last year, I had to race in the pro series, so that was you know a full year worth of uh, stress and things like that. So so yeah, you know, right now I'm 
I'm cheering on the, the four slip angle motorsports drivers that are trying to get back into the Coke series, uh, you know, so we can have a, a big old team in 2021 again. Yeah, so I guess kind of getting back to that season, you know, you guys just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago now. I think you were P8 on the year, got a win with the playoffs. I know coming off 2018, you had the title run. 2019 was rough. You had to go back through the pro series. Being able to kind of have a solid 2020 after that, make the playoffs, get a win, was that was that enough to consider it kind of a good year? Like, how would you say this season went for you? Yeah, I was looking at the, uh, at the stats of, uh, you know, comparing last year to other years and – uh, I think statistically it was my second worst year <laughs> this year, uh, but it was still a pretty good year. You know, we got to victory lane and, um, you know, that was, that was obviously a, a big moment in the season and, and making the playoffs again, being in contention. Uh, you know, we just fell short, didn't, didn't do the right things. There's several, several little things that we could do differently next year to put ourselves in, in better positions. So, you know, I'm glad that, you know, part of me is glad that we uh, we didn't get the job done because, uh, you know, when you when you fail and you know why you failed, it makes it um, it makes it easier to get better. Uh, you know, later on. So I think you know I think we've highlighted uh, areas where we can improve, and you know we'll look to to implement those uh, in the coming future. Now, this twenty twenty year as a whole crazy i mean along with this season there was a time where you're like mentoring jimmy johnson and teaching him the ropes yeah. and i racing going through all this as somebody who was already kind of in the sim racing world what was it like to watch that period especially around like april may where the whole racing world kind of flocked to things like our factor two and i racing yeah that was um i mean i don't think sim racing could ask for a, a better break i guess you know obviously it's the unfortunate situation of there being a pandemic for this to happen right. you know uh but the fact that they you know they all got together and did this and it was like for a two-month period it wasn't even just like a one-off you know it was every every week you know it was on fox uh the real world drivers just kind of flooded i racing and everybody had kind of like a, a little testing team you know got together with some people uh you know, I was I was able to to get in contact with Dale Jr. and he got me in contact with Jimmy after seeing him at at Homestead. Uh, I, I saw him struggle in in areas where it was just kind of like, okay, he obviously doesn't, you know, he hasn't done much of iRacing, so he doesn't know how the how the how the sim works in, in certain scenarios where where you know that that crash he was involved in where he didn't know that the he thought the yellow was out and the yellow wasn't out. So I figured, you know, I really like to get on track with Jimmy and kind of just teach him the ins and outs of, of the actual sim. Cause I know he can, he can get the driving part down. Right. And that's, that's a big enough challenge, you know, to get used to the simulator versus the real world, but then also just navigating the website, navigating how to, how to even, uh, you know, host a race and things like that, that he needed help with. So, you know, we were able to get, to get him on track and, and he was able to do a better job in, you know, the, the weeks after. I too am terrible in sim racing, but I don't have seven cup championships to fall back on in the real <laughs> world. So it doesn't do me much good. Uh, you've been a part of this for, I mean, before I racing, you know, you kind of predate that even how much as somebody who was a part of it in the early stage, what's, what's it been like to watch the growth and watch things evolve over the last 20 years? Yeah. Um, I actually, I wasn't even part of the, the really early stages. I think, uh, you know, the, the latest uh, Coke Series winner, Chris Sherburn, 
he was uh he's like one of the big time veterans you know chris is nearing uh 40 years old you know not to call him old but that's uh <laughs> you know in sim racing terms he might he's old you know uh but he was doing this in the late 90s you know back when they were all dial up and uh, you know, the, their phone bills were through the roof and, uh, you know, there were big money championships back then too. It was obviously not, you know, at the level that it is now, but, uh, you know, I, I joined in the mid two thousands basically. And yeah, it's, it's grown, it's grown a ton. You know, uh, I was on, I was on 2k3 basically from 2003 to 2008, and I was able to build myself a pretty good reputation on there, won uh, championships and things like that to where by the time I got on iRacing, uh, you know, I, I was considered in the kind of like that crop of drivers who would probably make it to the World Championship Series. So, so yeah, when I joined iRacing, I kind of went in there, you know, when iRacing started and I never had like a rookie uh, experience on iRacing because everybody that joined iRacing – all those top drivers from the previous sims they all joined in at once so we were all just we just kind of kept racing all together just in a new platform you know so once they announced all of these series and that we were going to be racing for you know a, a measly 10 grand back then <laughs> uh yeah that seemed like unbelievable and that that was uh yeah our, our inaugural, se- inaugural season was uh, already over 10 years ago which is kind of seems insane you know and then that We'll be heading on here to our 12th season of the Coke Series uh, in, in 21. Crazy how quick time flies and how things change. Well, Ray, this is your platform. This is your moment. This is all about your top five, your big races that have meant the most to you. So I guess we can start with your first selection. What one would you like to present first? Right. So I'm not going to put them in, uh, in any order, but I'll go in chronological order. Uh Kind of like my easiest way to remember them. Uh, I would say my fr- my first win would be would be uh, you know in, in 2010. It would be kind of like right there. Definitely one one in the top five. It was uh, it was the fourth race of the of the season of the of the career. I guess you could say of everybody's career. You know we were all rookies in 2010. So um, and I was racing I was racing Richard Towler who ended up winning the championship the inaugural championship that year. And I had known Richard for a few years before that, and he was kind of my mentor in 2K3. I met Richard in a European-based uh, league. And so, you know, I, I always raced him, uh, you know, really hard, obviously. Uh, we always raced fairly clean. And then in Martinsville, it was uh, – we were side-by-side. Side. I was on the outside, and there was a little bit of net code, and his car kind of – his car came into mine. He was on the inside, and – it upset his car. I was able to take the lead and then he got hit from behind from like the third place car. And, you know, long story short, I ended up winning and he wasn't happy with me. And we had contact after the race. And there was like this whole big drama for a little bit, but, uh, that was my first win. And yeah, so that's definitely on the list. And now moving on to another one on the list would be, I'd say Indianapolis in 2012, uh, where we got the pole and led every lap. And that was uh, kind of like my, you know, the, the the perfect race as far as just performance. And in the in the stat sheets, it actually shows that I 
that I didn't lead one lap, and that's because I, I warped across the line <laughs> in one of the <laughs> in one of the laps. You know, I was really bummed out about the how it looked on the stat sheets because I remember, you know, that's kind of like what you want to do every every time you join a race. You want to send the pole, you want to lead every lap, you want to win the race. You know, we did that, and then and the results showed that we led only 79 out of 80. So I was, you know, well, darn, uh, what a disappointment. Yeah, I know what a disappointment. You know, so that's definitely on the list. Um, I would so, say. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Hold on. So I have a couple questions going back on these. Kind of have a, yeah. I have a couple follow-ups throughout. So that, that for, I want to go back to the first one, first of all. Okay. That first season, what for the people who were a part of that, what was the vibe like? And was there like going into the early stretches of the year, was there any like inclination of people knowing like, hey, this guy might be one of the top ones. This guy's like you talked about Richard, the first champion, was there like, was he one of the favorites going in? Like, did you guys have a, a pecking order? Quote unquote, going yeah, into I'd the season? say so. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't consider myself one of those guys that was a favorite coming in. I think, uh, I was one of the drivers who would probably run near the front. Um, and, and could, uh, you know, could have some really good runs, but I wouldn't consider myself a favorite for that first season. I would say guys like Richard Tyler, uh, Brad Davies, who is still in the series, I think. I think Brad and I are the only ones that have competed in every season. Yeah, those two guys, and they were finished first and second in points. So, um, those were the first, the, the two guys. Uh, guys like Derek Wood as well. Derek was incredible in two K three, so he was one of the favorites, of course. Um, and but yeah, I mean, those it was it was a handful of drivers that were considered like the guys to beat. And I was I was probably in that top ten of drivers of uh, but I was still I was still even though I had success you know, in two K three. I was probably I was not at the level, you know that I, uh, I definitely developed into a better driver in the coming years after that. Um, so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put, picked myself as a favorite either, for that rookie season. I think it was just so new to all of us. We were just trying to, and it was. There was a lot of hype too, you know. As right. much as hype as there has been these past couple of years with the purse increase and the teams coming in, that first season it was it was unreal. You know, the the first race was won by Dale Jr. So like we were, <laughs> it was it was just all all sorts of sorts of uh, craziness happening that first season. So, it was the fourth race for you. Going by that stage, you had a couple races under your belt. Was it something where you knew, like, if the cards played out, you had a chance to win, or did it kind of catch you by surprise that you were in that position? Well, the I had a terrible start to this to the season. You know, at um, I think at at Daytona, I got a penalty uh, on a green flag pit stop because I I missed a commitment cone, so it was just like a you know really dumb penalty. Ended up finishing mid pack, then. I think the second race was uh, Vegas, and we got we got wrecked out like early. Same for Bristol, which was the third race we got wrecked out. So, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't go into Martinsville like riding any sort of momentum wave or anything. And it was it was a typical Martinsville sim race, especially back in 2010, it's just survival and a bunch of crashes and things like that. So, and I had been part of, of plenty of Martinsville races, uh, you know, in previous sims and stuff like that. So I kind of knew how the, how they all played out and. It ended up working out for me, but yeah, I, I couldn't really believe it. You know, when I crossed the line to to win the race, it was a surreal moment. Definitely, I'll, you know, I'll never forget it. Did it take any time? You, you mentioned like some some post race theatrics. I guess I'll say, did it take some time for all that to kind of 
chill out or were you guys able to kind of talk it out and make peace after the fact or no i mean richard and i were cool you know probably the day after it was just kind of heat of the moment uh, he was angry but then he ended up looking at the replay and he fig- he he realized that uh you know net code was uh was really like the 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 factor that played mostly into it and he was also angry because he got he got dumped, you know, as soon as I passed him. So he didn't have a chance to uh, race me back for the lead. So he was just a little bit angry, but, uh, you know, we're cool. Cool. I was just curious on that. And last thing I guess I'll say for this is after having a rough start like that, I mean, obviously now you're a champion, you've proven yourself. But back then to be able to get a win that early in the series and kind of prove yourself and prove you could run with them, what did that do for you? Yeah, I mean, we all, you know, when the series first started, I remember before the series started, I would uh, I would talk about, with my friends and, and we would kind of have like these funny discussions of, you know, so so back then we would all, you know, all the top drivers were, were used to winning races. You know, they were used to all kind of running in, in isolated leagues or isolated servers and different splits here and there. And then I guess, you know, for the first time ever, we would, we would really consolidate all that into one series. So I, I kind of have like these, uh, these, uh, mind blown moments of like, Holy cow, you know, somebody's going to run last. This is like somebody, somebody's going to run last. That's probably never finished last in his life. So, um, so yeah, you know, everybody just, when, when those, uh, when that green dropped at Daytona, everybody was really was just trying to, uh, it was just like a, a land rush, you know, of, of drivers really all trying to prove themselves and everybody's a rookie, even though we're not really rookies, we've been racing for a while, but in this series, we're, we're all rookies and, you know, jockeying for position and things like that. So yeah, being able to win early obviously was a big deal. And, um, it, you know, just the, the, the whole, the whole season, uh, it was, it was really a great experience. I had other pretty good runs, but wasn't able to get back to, to victory lane. Right. So, now let's let's flash forward to number two here, the indie race you were talking about. Right. First of all, as a somebody who lives twenty five minutes from the brickyard, I appreciate any indie shout out, real or virtual. <laughs> uh, second of all, by that point, obviously you were much more established. Can you kind of just for my audience's sake, kind of provide the context of where you were sitting and where your psyche was by that stage in your sim racing career? Right. So, yeah, in 2010, looking at Richard win the championship, I went over to Homestead, as I usually uh, would do. Anytime, you know, the, the finale, I'd go every year. And obviously that year, I got to meet Richard. And, you know, we all went out to dinner, had a good time over there. And, you know, I saw him on stage like, man, I, I wish I could be up there one day, you know. Um, and then 2011 rolls along, and I'm able to, to win the championship, you know, which was just crazy you know had a really had a good year three wins and just a lot of consistency uh, i think a lot of a lot of drivers back then they were they were very inconsistent and, and the racing itself was very dynamic and then that you could get involved in wrecks and the cars were the cars were much harder to drive back then so you could really get involved in, in a crash or, or get in trouble uh fairly easily just on your own doing just you know not like now where you get involved in a crash in a pack back then you could just lose control you know so i think i, I kind of realized that you really had to survive a lot of the races just to be part of the championship so you know we were able to win it in 2011 and then 2012 we were trying to repeat and the season was going great uh, I think by the time I, yeah, by the time we went to Indy, I was leading the points or right up there again. 
and we were just trying to have a good race by then. And, and yeah, you know, like I said, we, when we sat on the pole and, and Indy, Indy is my favorite track, you know, so I'm heartbroken <laughs> that NASCAR is not going there, uh, as far as to the oval, you know, anymore, probably. So, so it probably won't be on our schedule. So that's a big bummer. Um, but yeah, you know, winning the brickyard is always really big deal and, and being and doing it in that fashion where I came close the year before racing against Brad Davies. Uh, but I was points racing, you know, I was, uh, I was protecting a point lead. So he, he, when he went to pass me late in the race, I didn't fight him too much cause I couldn't afford crashing. And, you know, in 2012, I was able to kind of put everything together and, and we were able to, to win in, in dominating fashion. So, even virtually, I guess Indy is still Indy to an extent for stock cars. But how challenging is it, just for context, to have like a perfect race come together like that where you're so dominant? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it comes down to pit road. Uh, you know, I've I've come into pit road leading a lot of times and lost the lead. I think in that race, the fortunate part is that it went green. You know, for I think all the green flag stops, or at least uh, for the vast majority of the race. So. You know, at Indy, you're able to pit and not lose a lap, so that helps. And Indy itself, it's, uh, you know, the way I like to describe it is it's got four turns. The other tracks all have two, you know. <laughs> so you have to have four apexes, and I don't know. There's just the way the turns are there. It just fits me perfectly. It's it's a combination of, like, hitting your marks and also keeping up your momentum, which is you know, other tracks have one or the other. Indy has both. Um, so, you know, executing a really good lap around Indy is really satisfying. And, uh, you know, you can really pull away from the field if you do a good job. Curious question. So, like, in real life, obviously, the Brickyard has this prestige to it. When it comes to, like, the Coke series or, like, the sim racing leases, is that does the real-life prestige of certain venues – transition over for you guys or is it just like running like and that's not no track is not important that's not what i'm saying but like obviously like indy with the 500 daytona the daytona 500 are do those tracks hold more significance maybe for anybody in the field i mean I, i'd say so you know i think the the crown jewels you know you have daytona you have indy uh darlington uh charlotte those are all big big races uh you know, it's it's obviously not not at the level you have in Cup. You know, just like in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, it's not the same as in the Cup Series. So that's really more of a Cup thing. But yeah, for our races, there are races where uh, races you had circled. I guess you know, it'd be a pr- it'd be pretty cool to win this race. You know, it doesn't pay any more points, but it'd be nice to say that I, I won there. Right. So, have you ever had a chance to kiss the bricks since you won the virtual Indy race? I've never been to to the Indy uh, to the real track, but I do have a foam brick that I uh, did a photo op. <laughs> I have a foam brick that a friend got me uh, from Indy. He bought it at the at one of the uh, souvenir shops there, so I have that here in my room. And so yeah, we uh, I was able to win there again in 2014. I think that's when I did the photo op. I didn't have it before then, but yeah, I haven't been able to do it since. So uh, you know, might never be able to do it again. But you know, luckily. Uh, I can I can say that I visited Victory Lane on my favorite track. <laughs> You've kissed the brick, maybe not the bricks, <laughs> but the brick. Okay, I will now let you get back to what I believe you were about to start in before I interrupted, which was your third race. Okay, so my third race is uh, 
it's going to be 2015 at Homestead, and this is probably what I consider uh, my my best performance in that everything I had to go through to uh, for the race. So, so 2015, uh, at this point, Kenny Humpy has clinched the championship, and I'm second in points. And I'm second in points also clinched, so I'm really just going in there trying to win the race. There's no pressure or anything of that matter. Um, but the problem is I – so a few days before, I had changed the calibration on my on my ignition switch, and I forgot about it. So <laughs> on the grid, I, I shut the engine off, and I had no way to turn it back on because I didn't remember the, the button. So basically, I had to I had to start the race from the pits. Um Started the race a lap down, ran like the first 30 laps or whatever it was. Uh, got the free pass, so went all the way to the back. And then I was able to drive through the whole field and eventually take the lead and, and win the race. So that was uh, – it was really – I mean, it, it, the race meant nothing as far as championship-wise or anything like that. But it was the most fun race I've ever had as far as – you know, going to the back, passing everybody, and uh, and winning the race, and it was all, it was a lot of fun. Now, I know from your Twitter account, you seem to be a fan of Homestead. Um, was yeah. that <laughs> that track because of the lane, the multiple lanes and everything? I feel like that helps with something like that. Is it what's it like when you're trying to dice your way back through the field and get to the front on a track like that that allows you to move around? Right. Yeah. So that was uh, 2015. That was the 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 first year, the first build really where we had dynamic track <clears throat> and it worked really good. So that was the first time that we went to Homestead. I mean, we could actually run up by the wall and, um, you know, I remember in, in practice, we would just kind of run <clears throat> that second groove and then 10 or 15 laps to the run, we would start moving up and then eventually the Highland was the fastest way. So yeah, that's, that's a big part of why that race was so fun is because we could run different grooves and we can go two and three wide. It wasn't just your typical like uh, freight train of cars and you pass one at a time. It was like cars everywhere and uh, passing cars to the left, passing cars to the right. So yeah, the, the dynamic track worked flawlessly right there, right when it first came out. And that was a, a very nice surprise to everybody. So I've always wondered this from a driver. So like you have to go when you go to the back and you have to march your way back through the field, so to say. At what point, like, is this something where you always think, like, oh, I can do this, I for sure got this? Or is there, like, a point where it clicks, like, you know, I'm, I'm clicking them off quick enough, I might be able to get there. Like, how does that, how do you process that when you're in the car, or do you? I think a lot of it depends on on how how fast you think your car is. Obviously, for that race, we, we just went to the back from the start, so I, I, I didn't really know how fast we were. But, yeah, I mean, once... Uh, once we got the free pass, once we got all lined up and then, you know, we started making our way through the field and then, you know, your spotters uh, reading you off lap times and you're, you're constantly like the fastest car, then you're like, okay, you know, we probably have the fastest car here. Uh, but other, other times, I mean, you'll be struggling to run 10th and you go to the back of the field and you're like, well, <laughs> it'll be, it'll, it'll be just a challenge to make it back into the top 10. So yeah, it all really just depends on the car. 10-4, 10-4. So, I mean, the championship was out of, out of reach at that point, like you said. Right. But is, it like, is it like a tip in your cap to know, like, man, if I'd been in position, I could have done it, like knowing you could have drove through like that? 
Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh, obviously, it was a precursor to uh, to my next two races. <laughs> the, the next two races on the list, you know. That's what I figured and, I was going to uh, get to. Yeah. So, I guess now that we've kind of we've wink, wink, nudge, nudge, what is the next one on your list, right? Yeah. So the next one will be 2016. Uh, going in there. You know, there was no championship four, but it was pretty much a championship two the whole year. Uh, my teammate PJ Surges and I, we were just trading trading blows the whole year, and we 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 built a pretty big lead on everybody else. And by the time we entered Homestead, uh, we were, I think we were separated by like four points, something like that, four or five points. So. Uh, if if he won the race, I needed to finish like I needed to like lead a lap and finish second or um, something like that, you know, to where. And, but if he won and like if he won and led the most laps, I think he would have clinched it, something like that. So um, it was a, definitely a, a high pressure situation. We we got the pole, which was nice. So I was able to lead several laps at the beginning and kind of guarantee that he wouldn't lead all the laps. And, you know, as the race went on, we, uh, you know, we lost, I think we lost the lead on pit road and then we were racing PJ. All, I was always, we were pretty much always in the top five. Then towards the end of the race, uh, we were passing a car. I went for the lead on a car that took two tires. He blocked and then PJ got by me. By that point I had already clinched the most laps led. So I had to finish third to clinch. And, uh, PJ was able to get by him. And I, I also got by him, so I was running second behind PJ, and it was still very stressful, obviously, because of you know two spots back, and I wouldn't have won championships. So, you know, PJ ended up winning. I ended up finishing second, and we both you know did a burnout on the front stretch. But uh, you know, the way it ended up working out is that uh, you know that was it's still stati- statistically the the best season ever in the series uh, for average finish that was a 3.6 average finish the whole year and pj who got second in points was the second best season ever um so you know it kind of it was heartbreaking for him having the second season the second best season ever and and not winning the championship you know and that you know it just came down to that and that whole that whole year was like that you know we were running up front and he ended up winning five races i ended up winning two but i finished like i finished in the top three i think like 10 times something crazy like that so that's that's how i was able to touch him out but yeah that that race uh you know stands out because that was i mean basically a precursor to what we have now at home at uh at homestead or you know maybe not homestead anymore after this year but yeah man so what was what was the secret sauce for you two? How were you guys able to so consistently deliver week in and week out to make it such a tenuous battle when you're both running so yeah, well? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, PJ was really good at making setups. Uh, a lot of it came down to that. and But I think it also, the car just fit our driving style a lot. That's probably the, the least amount of grip we've probably had the whole time in series history, uh, just the way that the rules worked out. That was the first year that... Uh, NASCAR went to the to the lowdown force, and the cars, uh, you know, the cars just you know, were really difficult to drive. They were, uh, you know, there was slide around a lot, things like that. So, you know, PJ and I just uh, we were really comfortable with those cars, and 
I think, uh, you know, all of our teammates pretty much finished like in the top 10 in points or it was, you know, we, were, we had definitely really fast cars. You know, you can't, you can't win a championship with slow cars. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, but it was, it was just a memorable, memorable battle that lasted from February to, to October. You know, says when you're racing a teammate like that, is it different than like, like the way you guys talk to each other? I mean, is it different from racing like just another quote unquote another person in the field? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to get into your teammate um, just because I mean, you, you you pretty much always get along, obviously, and it's the it's the drivers you hang out with, it's the drivers you, you practice and you test, uh, so you spend a lot of time with them, and you know, I've been. I really haven't been involved in many, many uh, teammate altercations, but I have witnessed them between other teammates, and it's really uncomfortable, and it it really sucks when when our when your teammates are fighting because, you know, you should be working together, um, you know, because the rest of the field's trying to beat you, so you really shouldn't be beating yourself. What does it do for you? I know I mentioned early on after your first win how much of a confidence booster it was for you to be able to just to be able to show up and get to victory lane. After a season like this, like you said, it still stands as statistically perhaps the best season somebody's put together. What what does that do for you as a competitor in the series? Yeah, so that's uh, well, that was that was the third championship that year, and the the well, the precursor to that was that I had uh, so after after the 2011 title and the 2012 title back to back, then I finished second in points three straight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so more than like winning the championship, I just didn't want to finish second again. That was that would have been four straight. I would have been like the Buffalo Bills of the Coke series. It was I did not want to to finish second, you know, four straight seasons. That would have been so heartbreaking. So so yeah, you know, and and it just seems like in a series this competitive winning a championship a lot of the time brings relief rather than excitement, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it was a really big deal at the time and I, you know, at that point, it was like, I, you know, I thought I, I should have had more championships by that point. Um, but I was, I was so glad to at least, uh, just not, not be the runner up. You know, one more year that would have, uh, I don't, I don't know what effect that would have had on me, but it would, it would have just been so disappointing to, to, to try so hard again you know, four different years and not, not get it done. So was it more excitement or relief? It sounds almost like, especially yeah, with how it, it was, the race was. It was relief mostly really. Um, I would have liked to win the race, obviously. Um, so when PJ got by me, it was stressful and that, uh, you know, I had to be, I had to be kind of like coached to, uh, to calm down because I didn't know, I didn't know I had let the most laps. So uh, at that point, it was like I think I, ha- I had to finish second. Uh, so it was stressful, obviously, when he took the lead, and I was still third. Uh, you know, and then I was able to finally get to second, and they told me, "Okay, you let the most laps, so you can still finish third and and, and win it." So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I definitely say relief more than anything. I wondered. I was curious. Well, man, I don't know how we can top that, but we got one more to go. What do you got for me with number five, Ray? Yeah, well, this would be probably the highest stakes one, um, and it was uh, 2018 at, at Homestead. So in uh, in 2017, they introduced the the championship four format, 
where for our series, eight drivers make the playoff and you have three races and then four of them get eliminated and you have the four drivers racing for the title at Homestead. And that first year, um, I got wrecked out like halfway through the race, <clears throat> finished fourth, and then the points didn't really get a chance to, to, to race for it, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, at the time, rookie Ryan Luza was able to win the championship. Um, so then, you know, starting 2018 again, you know, we make the playoff and we, we barely make it into the championship four. I was like the last one on points that made it in. Uh, I think th- the final race before Homestead was Dover and I almost got wrecked in that race. And there was this kind of a struggle and we had been pretty fast at, at like the mile and a half tracks before that, but you know, Homestead was going to be a big effort to, uh, to really, you know, get the job done. So, you know, once the race started and, uh, Luza was leading again and I was in second and I ran him down. And by that point I was like, okay, I think we have a car that, you know, we can compete. And, uh, the way the race played out, it was basically like, a like a 70 or 75 lap run to the end. So we had one pit stop to make under green. And, uh, I basically wanted to, I wanted to pit before him just to, to leapfrog him. And I took the, I took the opportunity to, so I, I ran him down and I got under him in, in one and two to where we were basically like side by side coming off turn two. And that kind of guaranteed that he wouldn't be able to pit. So that's when I, you know, shot down pit road. And then and back then we, uh, at Homestead, we had to use the access road. And I remember getting really loose and almost losing control of the car. And I was like, I was just totally at the limit, pushing hard. Um, we actually ended up losing time on our pit stop compared to him, but the tires made up for him, made up for it. So we were able to still take the lead. Um, and yeah, you know, from there on, it was just super stressful. He was running me down. Um, I was just trying to hit my marks, you know, he was, he was coming and he, uh, you know, we were down the backstretch last lap and, you know, we went to turn three and he was on my bumper and I made sure to go all the way to the bottom line. So he couldn't hit my left rear. If he decided to hit me, I'd rather be hit, you know, straight on. And he, uh, he never got there and he actually ended up running out of gas, like off of four. Um, but yeah, you know, that's definitely, you know, it was relief at, at the, at the time, when it first happened, but it was definitely the most excited that I've ever been uh, for a title just because of everything that goes on. There's so much hype, you know, and that was back for 10 grand, you know, then, you know, last year it was 40 and then this year was a hundred. So, um, yeah, you know, I can't wait to get back to, uh, to the championship four. We haven't done it here these past two years, but it's a big race to be a part of. There's just so much hype around it. Um, and it just feels special to, to be competing at such a high level and for so much. For somebody who was in the series before, like pre-championship four, pre-elimination, how different is it? Do you have to approach it differently? Is the vibe different? Like what's it like racing in now compared to, say, 2015, 2016? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think – I think 2016 kind of prepared me for it, you know, because it was basically me or PJ who were finished ahead of the other one championship almost. So, but yeah, it's different in that there's just so much like packed into one event and there's four drivers and 
they can all win it. Uh, and, you know, with the amount of effort that's put into this race, it, it's a lot like real life where, like, those four drivers end up at the front. So in that 2018 race, we were – the four drivers, we were running top four at one point. Um, so – yeah, you know, before, obviously, it was just like a season-long thing, and what happened in 2016 was kind of a anomaly, but a lot of times it kind of, you know, the, the, the leader into the final race just had to finish 10th or 15th or whatever, and it wasn't, it was stressful, but it wasn't definitely not like how it is now to where you almost have to win, you know, to, to get it done. So are the whole, the whole, like, playoffs, is the whole thing more tense? I know the last race obviously yeah. is, but... Yeah, that whole, I mean, you only have three races to, to make it into the finale. So, like, you know, for example, this year we had we had a, a bad race at the Roval, and that basically uh, put us in a must-win for the next two. Um, so we, you know, we just didn't get it done, and, and, and that's kind of, that's the challenge, you know. But then, like, uh, you had a driver like, like Michael Conti, he had a, he blew his engine at the Roval and was able to win the uh, the race before the championship four to make it and he he wouldn't have made it if he hadn't won that race so it's it's a big pressure you know atmosphere it, it puts everybody in in uh, you know a lot of stress I guess you could say and but it's very re- rewarding you know when you when you get the job done that's my last question I guess tied to it what is the peak like like you mentioned it was the most exciting win for you like what is that what's that feeling like when you're able to prevail in such a high stakes environment. <laughs> Yeah, I think I mean there's like so much stress. The the uh, the original, you know, the original emotion. A lot of it is, uh, at least for me. I mean, <clears throat> I get excited, but I don't show it all that much. So a lot of it is just relief for me at first. You know, I just kind of, I I don't do much like yelling and hollering. That's that's usually like what I hear on the radio from my teammates and crew chiefs and spotters and things like that get really excited but for me you know you're you're under stress for an hour and a half two hours and it's not like in the real world where you're expending energy you're feeling g-forces and it's hot and uh you know you're doing all these things where here you're just at the sim you're just sitting there you know so it's a lot more stressful sim racing is a lot more stressful in my opinion than real life because you don't get to uh, you don't get to expend all that energy. So, so whenever you have like success, um, you know, for me, it's mostly a relief from from all that stress I've been feeling. How different is the the hype surrounding yourself in the series by the time you win that one compared to like maybe when you won your first one in 2011? Because obviously the series had grown some by that point. Yeah. Well, the actual circumstances for the first one, I clinched it the week before. Um, so there was absolutely no pressure at all going into Homestead for that one. Um, I, I don't know if, the, I mean, I don't know if the hype is any different. I mean, that was, you know, your first championship. You're just kind of like in disbelief, like, oh my God, you know, we won, especially because we clinched at Phoenix the week before after wrecking, <laughs> like everybody wrecked and we ended up clinching. So yeah, it was, it was, it was just like disbelief, uh, that you know, I, I had wished I could I could win a championship someday, but I didn't think it'd be like the second year. I think it would be like down the road. I'd like to win a title, you know, not like literally the second year of the season, so of the series. So 
But I, I mean, I don't think the uh, the hype as far as maybe the uh, the outside hype, you know, as far as the popularity, obviously, was not as big. Mm-hmm. But within the drivers in the series, I think it's always been pretty big. Cool. I was just curious. I know a lot's changed over time. So, well, Ray, that's that's a lot of success and a lot of good races. Your top five is pretty strong. Very homestead heavy, but I guess that's a good thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. With the top five complete, all that remains for you is a step back. We'll go to the top ten. It's a rapid-fire section, and I think you'll find it pretty fun. So if you are ready, we can roll right on through it. All right. So first off, number one, your first race. Can be first one attended, first one ran, whatever you choose to say. Uh, well, first race I, I went to was Homestead again, <laughs> 2005. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go to a lot of Homestead races, if you haven't realized that by now. Yeah, 2005, I saw Tony Stewart win the championship. Uh, Greg Biffle and Mark Martin raced uh, side-by-side for the for the finish. And I was, uh, you know, I'll never forget it, hearing the, the sound of the cars and the speed the first time there. Yeah, pretty awesome weekend. <laughs> Very popular around these states, too. Uh, being an Indiana kid, Tony Stewart winning anything tends to be taken happily around these parts. Number two, I guess it's a hard one, maybe. Your worst race. Oof. My worst race. Man, I don't – I mean, I don't know if I remember the uh, – I don't know if this will be the actual worst race, but I'll just – the Roval this year in the playoffs, I was like – you know, we, we worked really hard for that race, and we just ran like – 24th so that was very disappointing and it put us in a hole that we couldn't get back out of so i don't know if it's the worst race but it's in in recent memory the worst race it's the one that sits with you number three your best race um yeah i'd probably have to go to to uh to homestead i'd say that homestead uh that 2015 where i had to go to the back of the pack um and and pass everybody and, and win the race so even though, even though the 2012 Indy was like the perfect race, this one was better. Uh, had more challenges to, to to overcome. Okay, number four, your favorite series growing up. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Cup. You know, uh, watching NASCAR in its, uh, I guess, its golden years. You know, the the mid 2000s was uh, was so awesome. I, I loved those Gen 4 cars. Those are my favorite cars. Uh, you know, I wish I just wish we could we could go back to 2005. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I also grew up on Cup, much to the chagrin of all my IndyCar faithful around me. Uh, number five, your favorite driver growing up? You had one. Yeah, favorite driver is Rusty Wallace. Um, Rusty. That's why I run in the number two car. Um, and a quick story behind that is. Uh, so my last name starting with an A, you know, they always used to just put us in alphabetical order, like when we started grade school. So uh, I was I was number two on the list, you know, in, in kindergarten. So I had a I had a big number two on my desk. Um, so I was like, well, I guess that's my number. So I just picked whoever was number two. You know, I grew up a Rusty Wallace fan. I grew up being a fan of whoever was number two in pretty much any sport. So yeah, naturally, uh, you know, I'm glad Rusty was like actually a hall of famer and, and did well and not like somebody who's just random, you know, <laughs> you mentioned the Buffalo bills and you like Rusty Wallace. Am I, am I interviewing Alan Cavano on accident? <laughs> <laughs> Number six, if you had one, your least favorite driver growing up. Um, I, it's got to, I mean, I think least favorite when Rusty was racing is probably Jeff Gordon. Cause he used to beat Rusty. 
pickle it a lot and you know put him out of the way at at bristol and uh other races and uh you know jeff was just kind of like the thorn on rusty's side so I, i'd have to say jeff uh during rusty's years I think there's a lot of people that say Jeff or Jimmy from the 2000s. Number seven, what all tours or races do you watch today? Oh, man, I watch a lot of them. I mean, I watch um, all the NASCAR series, uh, you know, like ARCA, Formula One, IndyCar, uh, or like MotoGP, whenever it comes on. Like it, pretty much anything, uh, you know, anything that has tires and or just propels forward, I guess, you know, I, I enjoy all sorts of different racing. Number eight, and you may have already accomplished it, but it's what is your dream job or moment? Hmm. I mean, dream job would be to be a, a driver in real life. I think, um, you know, there's so many different challenges you have to, to, to go over that. I mean, it really is a dream just because it's so difficult to, to make it in the real world nowadays with how expensive everything is. So, uh, but yeah, if I had to say dream job, it'd be uh, to be a driver in the Cup Series. Very cool. Have you ever grown, tried anything in the real world like that? Uh, not like a stock car. I mean, I mean, besides like a like a Richard Petty driving experience type of thing. Um, but mostly just karting, uh, karting, and and that's kind of like what what I was referring to earlier. But as far as real world. Uh, being less stressful because you're expending energy. That's where I get that experience from. You know, when you have a good race in a go kart, you're you're kind of you're, you're tired and you're. Uh, you, it's not like sim racing where you're just kind of sitting there in a ball of stress. You know. Right. Number nine. One person or group you would recommend to follow or watch in the industry. Hmm. That's a good question. Um. I think. Uh, Steve Luvender has a lot of has a lot of uh, good uh, him or like NASCAR Chasm. I guess those are like the the you know the, the most popular ones. Um, uh, yeah, I mean I don't know. I, I follow a lot of racing stuff, a lot of racing uh, uh, like people on online, but I don't have like a I don't have a go to person. I guess it's just kind of whatever appears on there, and uh, yeah. I will recommend Steve as soon as I get a pick that isn't dreadful in his random fantasy racing generator. It has not gone well for me. And lastly, number 10, one opportunity to engage. Where can people follow you? What partners do you want to thank? What do you want to plug? Yeah, so, of course, uh, a virtual racing school. You know, I'm usually wearing the VRS shirt today. I have the uh, throwback uh, Tabasco shirt <laughs> from uh, – that famous uh, Tabasco paint scheme from like the '90s that I really love, uh, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, Virtual Racing School. Obviously, they've been a supporter of mine. We're going now on to the fifth year, and you know, if uh, if you're on iRacing, you probably already know about it. But you know, it's a service where you go on there and you can. There's like over 20 coaches, so you can uh, you can buy coaching sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions, or you can sign up, you know, subscribe to the service where you can see tutorials and all sorts of, uh, you know, they're called data packs, but it's basically all these drivers will, they'll teach you how to drive the track and all, you know, tips and hints of how to go faster. So big thanks to virtual racing school. I think they're doing, uh, the, the, the community, a big service and, 
Yeah, you can find me Ray Alfala pretty much on all sorts of uh, all social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. Not so much. I mean, I just post random stuff there. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, I don't know. It's an exciting time in sim racing. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the future. I think uh, the series is still growing. I think the next step is for us to be on TV uh, for like you know more than one race. I think it's possible the series can be on TV. Um, and I think, you know, it's uh, the future is bright as far as the Coke series. Very cool. Well, folks, that has been Ray Alfala, Sim Racing Extraordinaire. Thank you so much for your time today, Ray. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me here. folks ray alfala's top five now as i mentioned in the intro to this i didn't know too much about ray or any of the sim racers really going into this but i wanted to make sure i included that community and i thought it would be valuable to get the perspective of somebody who had won championships and been a front runner uh, ray came through in ways i couldn't have expected he was a great guest and i really appreciated him making the time to come on for me with this uh, he recorded this with me right around thanksgiving a time that was unusually quiet when there's normally a lot of stress i don't know what that was like for him mentally but i knew it was unique for me so i really appreciate him taking the time to do that uh, thanks to our patreon supporters i'd like to highlight bob and sally witchard and jory flyshower today two of my associate sponsors here at the motorsports beat on patreon if you guys want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash motorsports beat support us yourself and you might just get a shout out on this pod as well and of course i'd like to thank all of you for listening and allowing ray to talk about a few of the races that have meant the most to his career Next up on the Motorsports Beat podcast, we will take a trip to the past in a sense. I'm going to be talking to the purveyor of the Scene Vault podcast, Rick Houston, where he'll talk about a few of the races that meant the most to him coming up in the 90s in the NASCAR journalism scene. But until then, this has been the Motorsports Beat podcast. I am your host, Aaron Beard 93 and I'll catch you guys again when we get back on the beat. See you.